say good morning to everyone. It's good to be back with you all. Uh, I always say this feels like home. We flew in on Tuesday, and uh, I was a little shocked, a little taken back by the fact that uh, it was a little chilly here. And, uh, you know, in the past, <clears throat> when you all said it had been raining, uh, I'm like, when I get here, I'm, I see you drops of rain, right, you know, but this time it was really raining, guys, <laughs> it was, but Carolyn and I are so happy to be back, and, and let me say up front, thank you all so much for uh, the partnership, Pastor Steve, thank you so very much, it's been uh, a qu quite a journey, it's been a wonderful journey, and many of you all have come to Canton, Mississippi, and, and blessed us, and blessed our children, and we want to say thank you from the bottom of our hearts. You know, we are the body, right? We are the body of Christ, and, and we serve one another. Um, if you would, uh, just turn with me to um, the book of uh, Nehemiah. And um, <clears throat> I was at one, uh, one church service, and um, I cross-referenced uh, the passage quite a bit. And afterwards, a young man said, an older gentleman said, I've never turned to that many scriptures before in my life, I don't think. So don't be offended and don't, 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 don't take it personal if we look at a few additional scriptures. But as I was sitting there, <clears throat> I was thinking, you know, I don't know a whole lot. But one thing I do know is the fact that God loves us. I know that much. And not only does he love us, of course, he proved that love, but I also know that God has a plan for my life and for your life. And those two things I do know. Uh, I want to mention a name here that you may never hear again. But I mention that name, uh, this name, to, to say that uh, this is the gentleman who uh, had a great impact in my life. Uh, the story goes like this. Uh, this gentleman moved from Flora, Mississippi, which is just west of Canton, Mississippi, back in the 40s, the 1940s or so. And um, while there, he had a chance to become a businessman. He, he left Mississippi looking for an, a greater opportunity. Um, uh, he was a part of that great migration, trying to get out of the cotton fields and, and, and get from behind plowing mews and that kind of thing. And so he went to Chicago and and ended up in, in an uh, um, oil business, and that is delivering oil, oil to the apartment buildings there in Canton, and did well for himself. Um, but one day, he allowed someone to use his oil truck. And while being used, the gentleman left the radio on Moody Bible Institute Station. Now, y'all know where I'm going with this. And when he got back in his truck, he began to listen to the station, Moody Bible Institute station, and he began to hear from a man by the name of Oliver Green. You'll, you'll never hear that name again. But Oliver Green was a preacher at that time, and he was speaking on Moody Bible Institute station. And Oliver Green said to all of you who are listening, if you can't remember a time or uh, around about a time when you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the devil has slipped your mickey. 
And the older gentleman began to think. And he realized that he couldn't remember. He, he remembered joining a church. He remembered getting baptized, but never receiving Jesus. And the story is told that, that right there in that oil truck, he bowed his head with it, olive green, and he received Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. But the Lord led that man back to Kent, Mississippi in 1973. In 1976, a friend of mine invited me to his home. And that gentleman asked me two questions. That old man who had received Jesus while in Chicago and moved back to Kent, Mississippi to be able to lead others to the Lord. He asked me two questions. He said, young man, if you were to die tonight, where would you spend eternity? I said, I don't know. Would you like to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? I said, I would. And that, then the rest is history. I don't know much, but I do know that God loves us. And I do know that if he would have sent his son to die if I was the only human being on this earth. That's how much he loves us. I believe that God raised up that man, Joel Hayes, to lead me to the Lord, y'all. Well, there's another man <clears throat> that we're talking about today. And I know you don't look uh, at the book of Nehemiah much, but the book of Nehemiah, it tells us of a man who grew up in a very tough time in that and if you want the history, you can go back and look at Second, uh, Second Kings chapters 24 and 25, and it shows how God's people had continued to be disobedient to him. He sent in the Babylonians and to take over and, and, and just to wipe um, Judah away and take the, the older, I mean, the good soldiers and, and those of good health back to Babylon and, and left just the poor people in the town. And, and Nehemiah is one who was born in captivity. And Nehemiah was one also who, after the Persians had come in and conquered Babylon, Nehemiah was one who God allowed to receive a pretty good position. And, and, and the story goes that Nehemiah, in that wonderful position as a cupbearer, and we'll talk a little bit about that, the story goes, it says that one day, Nehemiah, one of his brothers came who had, who knew, had information about those who had been exiled and he, he inquired about his brother and the brother said, look, it's, it's not a good scene. They, 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 they are in great distress. The walls are torn down. They have no defense for themselves and, and the Bible tells us that Nehemiah did at least three things. First of all, it says, Nehemiah took it to heart. He took it to heart. You know, it's a good thing, you all, when you have people around you who take the needs of others to heart, right? So he took it to heart, but then he took it to God, and he prayed, and we're going to look at that. He didn't pray about some things. He prayed about everything. We're living in a time, y'all, where we need to pray about everything, right? Because we're living in a dark age, and but not only did he take it to heart, did he take it to God, it says he took it to the people. He took it to the right people. And he said to the right people, come on, y'all, let us, let us do this together and let us rebuild. The scriptures have been read, and I want to look briefly at, at 
at three points. And, and I want you to bear with me, uh, stay with me. The first thing we want to look at is the fact that Nehemiah knew that God had allowed him to be in the position that he was in. Nehemiah knew that God had allowed him to be in the position that he was in. My pastor back home, he often asked the question, the question is a biblical question. He says, what is it that you have that you didn't get from God? Your house? No. Your car? Your children? Your finances? What is it? And Nehemiah knew that everything that he had came from God. And we'll see how he understood because it was from God he had to be a good steward of what God had provided him with. But then secondly, we want to look today at the fact that not only did he do that, but he served God with great compassion. You talk about this being a dark world. It's a world where passion, compassion is fleeting. That's the way he is back home, and I'm sure it is here. But then thirdly, we want to look at the fact that he served God on his knees. And we're here in his steps to say that we're here for, after, for 28 years, starting in our home, and we're here because we've learned to serve God on our knees, you all. If you've got something big before you, don't think you're so smart that you can figure it out. But to learn how to serve God on your knees. God is big enough, right? God is big enough. God allowed Nehemiah this position for a reason. And Nehemiah knew that he had to be a good steward of this position. Nehemiah knew that he had to serve the purpose of God from this position. He needed to serve the purpose of God from this position. Position. I, I've met people who know that when they know that God has allowed them to be where they are in the position that they're in, I, I, I've met people. I met one, and you'll never know this name, never hear this name again. His name is Charles Strobeck. And Charles Strobeck is, is, is a gentleman that I met when I went to Wheaton College in 1979. And I accidentally went into the wrong Sunday school class. Accidentally went into the wrong Sunday school class. And it was a class for 50-year-old people and older, and I was 19 years old, right? But not only was it a class for 50 and over, I didn't know, I just wandered in, right? But not only that, I was the only little black person in there, I, I, only little speck in the room, right? But they let me stay, right? And they began to uh, be, uh, befriend me and, and invite me over for dinner. Long story short, from 1979 to 2005, Charles Strobeck and his wife began to support us financially. And in 2005, Charles Strobeck called me and he said, Reverend Bacon, my wife and I have been tracking you all now and, I, and we have prayed for you and your family and for the ministry every day since 1979. Somebody do the math for me, 1979 to 2005. And then he went on to say that we want to buy you some land. And he sent $150,000. Met the man accidentally. 1999, he prayed for us every day. In 2005, he sends a check for $150,000 to buy the land. Those of you who come to Mississippi, 
That's the land. It has a sign on the drive which says Strobeck Drive. It's because of that. But then he went on to say, not only are we, we, do we want to buy you some land to have a place to do ministry, but we're going to give you the first $200,000 to start your building. See, there, there are yet people who understand what, that God is the reason for everything they have. And that because of that, they must be good stewards of what God has given them. Mr. Strobeck has gone on to glory now. But I believe God raised up Charles Strobeck to buy that land for in his steps and to give that $200,000 to get the building we're in. God raises up people to serve the purpose, purposes, his purposes, to serve his purposes. There's more we can say about that, but because of time, um, Pastor Steve told me I had uh, an allotted, well, he, he told me if the Holy Spirit hits me, I could go on now, you know. <laughs> he did tell me that, <clears throat> but he said just, you know, you know, we, we sometimes kind of finish at this time, and, and I wanted to tell Pastor Steve, but I didn't have the nerve, right? I wanted to say, Pastor Steve, normally I'm just getting warmed up that time so but we're going to be obedient right we're going to be obedient but then secondly Nehemiah served God with great passion you read the text the text says that he took the situation that he heard about in Jerusalem to heart it says that when he heard it he he began to weep he began to pray. He began to fast. And then it says, for many days. I said to you earlier, if you look around you, you would agree with me, I believe, that passion, or better yet, compassion, biblical compassion especially, it is a fleeting thing, you all. I heard someone say that for, it seems as if as long as I'm taken care of, and my family, my immediate family, I really don't care about the rest most of the time. That's the attitude, right? But we are Christians, right? And we, we, we're biblical Christians, right? And we want to understand what God's will is, right? And God's will for us is to be just like Jesus. And often it said Jesus had compassion on them, right? And, and brothers and sisters, let me tell you now, and, and I need you to understand that the need is not just among marginalized people. Y'all hear that? I could name middle class, upper middle class friends of mine, either in Mississippi or other places, they got lots of issues, y'all. And so don't you think that there is not a need sitting right beside you. There could be a need sitting right beside you. It could be a need in your Sunday school class or in your life group. There could be a need. And I often say to people, slow down. Timeliness is more important than time. But when I get this done, I'm going to call her and I'm going to spend some time with her. Well, by that time, she may not need you. She may be at a point of no return. But this word, compassion, and we find this um, word in 
In the Gospels, for instance, in Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38, we see this word compassion used concerning Jesus. Also in Matthew 20, verses 30 through 34, we see this word used concerning Jesus. But then the application of it, we see in Proverbs 31, verses 8 and 9. I want to give you these. You can go back and look at these and read these. But then also in 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18, let us not love just in word and deed, but in truth. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 2 as well. But let's talk about this word compassion for a moment. As I understand it, the, the etymology, the Latin root for the word compassion is pati, P-A-T-T-I, the root, meaning to suffer. Then the prefix is the word C-O-M, come, mean, which means with. If you put the two together, the connection of Suffering, the idea is suffering with another, or suffering with others. Do you know anyone that you need to ask God to help you to be more compassionate to or with? That one you may need to suffer with. The story is told that on this big cruise ship, this big, um, uh, big ship, that there were two passengers, and one passenger passenger's name was concerned. Passenger number one was concerned. The second passenger on the ship name was compassion. Passenger one witnessed a man go overboard and his name was concerned and concerned saw the man go overboard and he said with some emotion, not a lot of emotion, man overboard. Compassion saw the same man go overboard but with much compassion, he said, man overboard. And he jumped in to help the man. If I had to confess you all, I think sometimes I'm more like passenger one. If you were honest, maybe you would say the same. That, well, it's not my family, it's not my child. Man overboard. Jesus would have us to have more Compassion. Aren't you glad he came? The Bible says that he came and he dwelt among us. I'm glad he came, you all. And I'm glad also he's not, he's not done with me. I know he's not done with me. If, 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 if you want to get the straight of the story, the, the scoop of it, ask my wife. She is so liberal about telling people how I'm not quite there yet. Isn't that right, Ms. Baker? <laughs> Now, I know I'm going to get in trouble for that. I know I'm going to get in trouble for that. But yes, we, we need to see that this man, Nehemiah, he, I mean, he took it to heart. He was ready to go and get it involved. And, and when he got there, he, he said, let us, let, let us rise and let us build together. We need more of those. And I, I tell people when they come to Kent, Mississippi, to serve with us, and I'm so grateful to you all, but I often tell mission teams that, and it's kind of, it sounds kind of harsh what I say, but I say to them that if you have not risen to a point in your local church where you're doing ministry to those in your own community, 
right in your own Jerusalem, you may need to reconsider coming all the way to Mississippi. That sounds harsh, maybe, right? But according to my understanding, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, in your Jerusalem first, right? Having compassion on those in your Jerusalem. And let's don't say, let's don't go that far, in your own household. And then move out from there. But then also, thirdly, Nehemiah served God's purpose on his knees. He served God's purposes on his knees. If you have that Bible open at Nehemiah, I just want you to notice, you can go back and come back, go back and listen to this. I just want you to notice how many times the term pray or prayer was used. In verse 4, a term pray was used. Verse 5. Verse 6, it was used twice. In verse 8, verse 11, chapter 2, verse 4, it was used. I've learned, you all, that the success of anything for a believer, for a church, for a family, it starts on our knees. Let me remind you that as my pastor says all the time, that behind, mo most of the time, behind everything physical, there's something spiritual going on. In your household, between husband and wife, between parent and children, on your job, in those, re those adverse relationships, you have to just wonder. And, and I've learned, and I was with a friend yesterday uh, close by who used to live in, in Mississippi. They moved out here. And as I looked on, on the, just as they, you go upstairs, there was a big old verse. And, the, and, and it just says, pray always. Nehemiah learned to pray always. The, the pastor of the college church in Wheaton, Illinois, and it's where Ken Shepherd, excuse me, Ken Hughes used to be, who wrote uh, the, the Disciplines of a Godly Man, and then his wife Barbara wrote The Disciplines of a Godly Woman, where he was. But the, the new pastor, and, and I'm slipping, uh, I'm drawing a, a blank on his name right now. But anyway, I was there not too long ago, and here's what he said. He said, and he's a PhD, you know, he, he, was, he lived in England for many years. He said, isn't it something that we sophisticated Christians think we know what we're doing? Now, I, I, I don't mean to offend us or you here today, but let me ask you a question. How often do you pray? Let, let me ask you a question. Do you start your day with prayer? Well, let me ask you another question. When it's time to recline, do you thank God for keeping you safe as you travel? Oh, but what about this major decision you're considering right now that you got to make? Have you consulted God about it? Well, that was Nehemiah. He prayed about everything. Go back and read it. He had a major choice to make. Should I go to the governor? He was a cupbearer. And by the way, do, do you know what a cupbearer was? A cupbearer was was someone who tasted that wine before he gave it to the king, and, and he put a little bit in his hand, and, then, and the king would look at him, right? And if he fell over and died, the king said, nope, not going to drink that. I don't know if I want, be, want that position. But he prayed about everything. Listen to this, you all, as we get ready to bring it to a close. It says, God works in human affairs 
to accomplish his purposes. When we pray, great things happen. What is prayer? Here's a thought. Prayer is a deliberate identification with God and his purposes. It's a deliberate identification. In other words, God, here I, I lay before you. And God, I'm here because I don't want to do my will. Show me your will. It's identifying with a deliberate identification with God's glory. It humbles us too, right? Because God may say, wait, don't do that right now. Or don't do that at all. But, but not only could we say that it's a deliberate identification with God and his purposes, Prayer is releasing the energies of God. The Bible says if we pray according to his will, he hears us. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And at that point, he releases the energies from, of heaven to bless and to provide. And, 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 and I know, I know. Let me close with this, and there's much more we could say. That prayer we could talk about, that prayer, his prayer was a time of worship. We see worship in his prayer. We see confession in his prayer. We see, we see petition in his prayer. And I've come to believe that great, uh, prayer is the greatest force on earth. It's the greatest force you have. Well, how, how would we conclude this? Someone once put, put it like this. He, he said, we don't know if these times that we're living in are the best of times or the worst of times. Some even think that these are the last of times. All we know is that these are the times that God has allotted you and me to live in. That we do know. And I'll end with a scripture that speaks to how we ought to live uh, in these times that we are living in. Please mark Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. And let me read it in your hearing and I will close with this. You can't go wrong if you remember this passage, you all, as a life verse. Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 15. Here's what it says. See then that you walk circumspectly. That word circumspect, circumspectly means carefully. And not, and not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Well, the Bible tells us to walk carefully. The Bible tells us not to walk as fools. And you have a lot of foolish people that's leading our country, leading, leading in various principal, uh, uh, cities and states and what have you. But we're not to walk as fools, but as wise. But here's the verse I want y'all to remember. We ought, we ought to be about redeeming the time. The idea there is as we live in this time that God has allowed us to live in, allotted to us, we're to take full advantage of the opportunities that we have. But the word time there, it speaks to not chronology, 
but it speaks to a certain duration. God has allowed each of us a certain duration of time on this earth. Um, one of your little kids came in a while ago. I was over in the youth building in the Sunday school building, and uh, I forget the little kid's name now, but he, he was a friendly little guy. He came in, and uh, you know he's a member here, one of y'all's kids, right? He was a friendly little guy, and he walked up to me, and well, first of all, he said to Pastor Sam, who is that man? He said, that's Reverend Bacon. He walked over. I said, may I shake your hand? And he said, yes. He shook my hand. I said, how old are you? He said, I'm seven. I said, well, I'm 62. He looked at me. And then he said, wow. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, we need to take advantage of. I tell people I'm 62, and I don't think I'm going to live as long, have that many years left that I've already lived. We don't know. Live in the present. Love one another. Do that which God has called you. Serve his purposes. Because one day when it's all, all over you all, we will face Jesus. And we want to hear these words, well done, my good and faithful servant. May God bless you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your salvation. And we thank you for making salvation available to us. And we thank you, Father, that it's by your grace. We don't know much, but we know one thing, that you love us. And you proved it by sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us, Father. We thank you that you didn't leave us. You put your Holy Spirit in us, Father. And we thank you, Father, that one verse in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, where it says, he who has began a good work in you will carry it on to the day of Christ Jesus. Now, Father, I pray for each one up under the, the sound of my voice. You know their needs. Where comfort is needed, we pray you'd comfort, Father. Where encouragement, Father, where exhortation is needed. For that one is sitting on the fence. I just pray you give them a, a reminder that with you, all things are possible. So we thank you and we trust you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen.